I'm glad that you guys got that humor. I think that's absolutely hilarious. Um, and it's a good lead into what we're going to talk about tonight, which is families and expectations that come with families. Hi, I'm Nikki, if you don't know me, and I work here at Orchard Hill Church. Thank you. Um, anyways, okay, we're in the Set Apart series. Oh, and this is my family, because you can't talk about family and not have a picture of your family, right? Now you all go, oh, thank you. Okay, so anyways, um, we're in the Set Apart series, um, and here's the verse that we're using for this series. It's from 1 Peter chapter 2, 2 verse 9 through 10. Now, I have two different verses up there, uh, two different translations, because in all honesty, the NIV has way too many big words for me, and I don't understand it, so I'm going to read the message, and if you're smarter than me, which you probably are, then uh, you can go by the top one. Okay, it says, but you are the ones chosen by God, chosen for a high calling of priestly work. Chosen to be holy people, God's instruments to do his work and speak out for him. To tell others of the night and day difference he made for you. From nothing to something. From rejected to accepted. Okay, so what that's pretty much saying is because of what Jesus did, his life, his death, I'm forever changed. And out of that, um, out of my appreciation for that, my, my life might look different. And that's the whole idea of the Set Apart series is kind of talking about how your life could look different in different settings. And um, tonight we're doing families. And I just want to clarify, these are by no means like a list of things that you should do if you're a Christian. It doesn't work like that. Um, but it's more out of uh, appreciation for what Jesus gave you, maybe some things to think about and some things that might change. Um, okay, so I guess let's start by praying. Can you bow your heads with me? Uh, dear God, thanks for loving us. Um, we know that you're for us and you're not against us and you give us families and we know that you're for families too. So thank you for the families that you've placed us in. Um, the reality is that families have great times but families also have really bad times. Um, we know that you love us and we trust that you love us right where we're at and I know that you love our families right where they are also. So help us where we're broken Forgive us when we mess up, because we almost mess up bad in our families. Um, we mess up by being selfish. Uh, we mess up by putting our needs ahead of other people's needs. And God, we just confess that we've fallen far short of what you expect from us and families. So help us, please, to do a better job of um, living intentionally the way you want us to in our families. Amen. Um, okay, so I think that God cares about families, and this is why I think that. Uh, lots of times in the Bible, God uses like metaphors of families describing our relationship with him, like we're his kids or we're his bride. Um, so I think he cares about it because of that. And then I was thinking about this. You know, how did Jesus come to the world? As a baby in a family, right? And if you think about it, I mean, he was savior of the world. He could have come like in a huge army or like my kids are really into knights right now, so I thought like of a castle and a kingdom. He could have come like that, but he came in, in a family. And that's, that's curious to me as to why he came in a family. But I think families are really important to God. And so tonight I just kind of want to answer a question for you. How can you do family better? As a young adult um, in your family, how can you do a better job in your family? So I'm just going to uh, point out a few expectations almost regarding families tonight. So the first one is that you can expect that this family thing is difficult, it's hard, it's messy, okay? That's the first expectation. And I mean, like, seriously hard. Uh, lots of you don't even need me to say that because lots of you live in this reality every day. Um, 
probably the most difficult place to live out your faith is in your family. Lots of times, I'm letting you in on a secret here, lots of times when we teach, we look in the Bible for stories of people doing, uh, like what we're teaching on well, you know, so-and-so did this good, so let us tell us about, didn't Brad last week, I wasn't here, I was at Fields of Faith, didn't he use Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Um, Because they did a a good job of that. So in the Bible, this is what I got for families. We have Adam and Eve, um, and let's be honest, they pretty much failed miserably, correct? (laughs) But, like, why? I mean, they were, they were the first family. They didn't have much to fight about. They didn't have to worry about finances. They didn't have, like, extended family to fight about. And they still turned on each other, turned on God. And their kids, actually, one of them killed the other one. So I'm going to say that didn't go so well. Um, Jacob and Esau. Does anyone know this story in the Bible? Um, Jacob was sneaky and tricked his dying father into giving him his brother's blessing. Oh, and his mom helped him trick her dying husband. So that's not really good. And then I thought, well, you know what? At least Jesus' family. That's a good example of a family, right? I mean, God had all people from all times to choose from, right? And he picked Mary and Joseph, so they got to be good. But the reality is, you know, they lost Jesus when he was 12 years old for a few days. Uh, So I don't think they did a very good job either. So as I looked, I can't find any examples of someone who just really nailed it, like 100% of the time in families. So I think that's because it's just seriously hard. And I just want to take a minute to just recognize that I know that your families come in all types. We have blended families, you know, like he has kids, she has kids, they have kids together. Um, You have divorce. I know lots of you come from single parents. Um, I'm sure that some of you in here, family members, struggle with drugs and alcohol. Um, I know some of you have lost a parent. The reality is that our families can be in really tough places, and it can feel really hopeless and really broken. Um, The other thing that I want to acknowledge is that I know statistics tell us that some of you guys in here are in a family where you're um, being abused or someone's being abused. And I just want you to hear us say that's not okay. And um, if anybody needs help tonight, we'd love to talk to you and help your family make steps to try and work that stuff out. Um, Families are hard because families are made up of imperfect um, flaws. The people in families are just, uh, we're just imperfect. We make mistakes. We didn't choose our family. Have you noticed this? But you're stuck with them. And let's be honest, like, how many of your family members would you be friends with if they weren't in your family? You know, it's not like they're people you'd hang out with, probably. Um, We get lazy. We stop trying in our families. We get really self-centered. They see us all the time, so of course we act the worst around them. We hurt each other, and sometimes we even hurt each other on purpose. So the first expectation was expect that it's hard and messy, okay? The second one is our culture expects that families are messed up. And then um, it, like, normalizes this. So our families, or our culture's reaction to families being dysfunctional says, yeah, that's what families do. Um, families are too busy to hang out. No family members actually talk. You're a teenager. You're supposed to fight with your parents. Or siblings aren't supposed to get along, so that's okay. And you guys, this is, like, true to some extent. Um, and I've said it before. Like, I wouldn't yell at the kids if they weren't so naughty. Um, but the truth is that's a cop-out. It's kind of a way that our culture like justifies what we do wrong. So then we have God's expectations. And I know everybody sits there and goes, yeah, I know. God expects me to do the right thing. Um, but the more that I learn about Jesus and about what God expects, um, he really like pushes the envelope, like takes uh, the right answer and then lifts it up even higher makes it even harder to reach. Um, but he does this amazing thing that he does that. He, he raises up an ideal without judging you, uh, making it okay where you're at. You don't have to be condemned, but challenging you to be different. 
So the third expectation is that Jesus expects far more from us, um, but does so without judgment. You see, uh, Jesus called families to live in a radical way. So I kind of want to paint the picture of like what's going on in Bible times with families. Um, in biblical times, uh, a husband would go or, or a guy would go and buy his wife from her father. And so then he would own her and he would own all his children. And so wives and kids were property and a guy got to do with them whatever he thought uh, was appropriate. And so in this time for Jesus to say to people, you know, you got to value each other, you got to submit to each other, you got to respect each other, that was so anti what was going on at that time. And the thing is, he still has the same expectations of us today, and we're going to go over those expectations here in a bit. But it's still just as radical today, because the truth of the matter is, is I know that you can sit there and say, well, you know, times are different now, and, and my mom's messed up, so it's okay that I don't listen to her, don't do what she says. But it's the same radical expectations that, um, that were crazy and out of the box then that are now. So let's look at some of those expectations. These come from Ephesians 5, uh, chapter 5 and chapter 6. I'm not going to read that all to you. I actually have this fear of reading in front of people, so I definitely won't do it. Um, but I kind of want to like highlight important areas, so I think we have this up here now. The first one um, is that we need to be careful and be thoughtful. And why do we need to be careful and thoughtful? Because um, the Bible says these are, these are hard times. These are uh, really challenging times to do that. We need to make the most of every opportunity. Uh, everyone submit to everyone else. Children, obey your parents. That's your favorite one, right? Um, honor your father and mother. And fathers, don't exacerbate your children, which means like, like don't crush their spirit. Don't be harsh with them. Um, Okay, so we're going to break those down more in depth, but I want you to keep those in your mind. Got it? So we have this reality of the fact that families are messy and, and pretty ugly at times and really difficult, and then the ideal that Christ calls us to. And there's a lot of space in between those two things, and so as Christians, we're called to honor God in the middle of those. And so how do we do that? Um, how do we deal with that tension? We do it by our next point, which is the truth that um, God meets us in our brokenness. We can expect that where we're broken, that God's going to show up there. Because as you read the Bible, you see this theme over and over about God um, being in the business of restoring and fixing what's broken. Because I think sometimes we fool ourselves into thinking that God loves and blesses like families who have their act together. You know, the ones that walk in and sit nice. And I'm always jealous of these people who have the kids that actually sit still during church. I don't know how they're doing that. Maybe they're drugging them or something. I don't know. It's not fair. But we think that God like blesses the families that really have their stuff together. But the truth of the matter is that's not how it works um, in Jesus' eyes. Matthew 5.3 says, Blessed are the poor in spirit. And as you keep reading that passage, it talks about, you know, blessed are the failures. Um, see, Jesus loves and cares about um, people who are down and out, about people who are failing in their own eyes, in um, other people's eyes, and in God's eyes. He, he loves them and he cares for them. And God loves broken people and broken families. He's on your side, and especially he's on your side when you're not doing well. 2 Corinthians 12, 9 um, What's going on here is Paul is like begging um, God to take away what he calls a thorn in his flesh. So something that wasn't, you know, that was really weighing him down. And um, what God said to him was, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. So I want you to hear that and, and really think about this. 
God meets your family in its deepest brokenness. So like the places where you are the most unlike Christ is where he shows up. And he shows up with grace and with power and like with all the might that he has to offer hope and forgiveness and healing and a new way of being. I mean, like just sit and think about this. Is, what if this was actually true? What if God wants to demonstrate all his power where we're the ugliest? I mean, can we actually believe this? Could it actually be true? Or are you like me? Do you kind of live in denial, kind of hoping that no one will notice um, how bad things are? Or thinking that if I don't actually do anything, this will probably work itself out. Or we normalize it and make it okay that we act the way we do. Because God, what he really wants is for us to be honest. And to be honest with him, to be honest with our family members and ourselves about how ugly we can actually be. And although that can be like a scary thing to do, the truth is, is when we do that, then he can start to change us. So another thing that we can expect about families is that something has to change, right? And I know you all are like, oh my gosh, you know it. Like if my mom could just get her act together, if my parents would stop like keeping me under their thumb, I'm a good kid, I don't need rules. I've, you know, we've all said all of these things. So we can agree that something has to change, but here's the crazy part is that I'm going to challenge you um, that, that it starts with you, that the, really the only thing you have any control over changing is yourself. You see, no matter how things bad are, it has, no matter how bad things are, it has to start with you. Um, if you think about, someone pointed this out to me, if you think about um, Jesus coming, like God's people for, for all the years before Jesus came were getting ready for him to come, right? Because he was going to save them from their oppression, save them from their enemies. And he came and he saved them. But he saved them from themselves and from their own sin. Because if you're anything like me, it's easier to sit here and start like pointing fingers. You know, I could be such a better wife if my husband was just more helpful. Or I could be so much more calm and, and have so much more fun with my kids if they just acted the way they were supposed to. But the truth of the matter is, we don't get to change anyone else. And in all honesty, as I talk to some of you guys, I wish I could change your parents for you. I wish you could. I wish that you were in the situations you are, but you are. And so the change has to start with you. So, like, specifically, what does that look like? And I want to go back to these poor slide guys, you guys. I'm making them jump all over the place, so good job. Um, I want to go back to the list from Ephesians of what we can expect. Um, first one is to be careful and to be thoughtful. So, basically, what does this look like in your life, specifically? Um, I think this is calling us to not be reckless. This is what I'm the worst at. If you spent any amount of time with me, you know I don't think before I talk. I say stuff I shouldn't say. I'm reactive. I'm always super dramatic about my feelings. Um, so think about what you say before you say it. Think about what you do before you do it. The next one would be make the most of every opportunity. I think as Christians we mess this one up the worst because we think this means you need to have some awesome big spiel prepared about how God changed your life. And the truth of the matter is what speaks louder than that is just how you live every day. Um, if you were at Fields of Faith last week, do you remember there was the girlfriend and the boyfriend and the boyfriend's mom, right? And the boyfriend's mom became a follower of Jesus. Why? Because her son was. And it was because he had like, you know, he was Bible beating her every day. 
No, it's because she started to notice like these little subtle changes in him. And it really wasn't anything huge or dramatic, right? She just started to notice that her son was different. Um, you see, when we follow Jesus, every move we, we make, everything we do actually kind of matters because people are watching. Um, so make the most of every opportunity. Love, love your family members. Uh, pray for them. That's a great place to start. Um, spend time with them. Pretend like you enjoy them a little bit. Um, the next one would be everyone submit to everyone. This is a hard one for me too. Uh, give up your need to be right, which is really hard because I am always right. So, um, Give up your need to be in control. Give up your need to have the last word. Does anybody in here love to have the last word? I do. Even if it's a like, you know, when you go, <laughs> sometimes that's a great way to end a fight. But give up the need to have to do that. Um, the truth of the matter is you submit to each other not because they deserve it. Like, in all honesty, your parents don't know what they're doing all the time, and sometimes they probably don't act in a way that deserves that you respect them and submit to them. But we do it because um, we honor God. That's how we do it. So not because they deserve it, but because that's what we're called to do. Children, obey your parents. I should just skip this one so you guys actually like me, but instead I guess I'll talk about it. For the most part, you don't have to buy into this fully right now. For the most part, most of your parents are not trying to ruin your lives, <laughs> believe it or not. They're actually trying to help you. Um, I heard my husband say to someone recently that he would, has no problem like making our boys' lives hard right now, even if they don't like him. He said, I have no problem making their lives for these 20 years miserable if it means that the next 20 years goes well for them. I was like, oh, that's actually a good point. Like, your parents might be, I mean, I know they are for the most part, like following some kind of plan for what they want you to turn out like. Um, so obey your parents. The next one is honor your father and mother. And what does that word even mean? Um, when you look it up, it says to place value upon. So what does that look like? Um, do you have to agree with everything they do? Do you have to agree with their lifestyles? No, you're not going to agree with everything they do. Um, you're not going to agree with everything they say. You don't have to think that your curfew is right. But you honor them and you place value on what they say. So you don't argue. You don't disrespect them. Um, there are even ways, believe it or not, to disagree respectfully. But you don't ignore them. You don't put them down. The last thing... Uh, in this list is to do all of this. Um, okay, so I, I was a goody two-shoes growing up, like I always did the right thing. I don't know why I always want to make everybody happy. But I never did it with like a joyful heart. I did it because I had to. So like do this, but do it because Christ calls you to. Do, do it with a joyful heart. Um, do it for the right reasons. Um, I, I was laughing as I was writing this talk because uh, the day I sat down to write it, which was just a few days ago, <laughs> I put the boys in front of a movie. Like, I picked a movie I knew they would love, and I'm like, you guys sit here. I got them treats. And then, you know, I'm sitting down 15 minutes later. Julian needs more juice. Get him more juice. Will has to go to the bathroom. I have to help him go to the bathroom. It goes on and on and on. They're fighting. Don't touch me. His foot's touching me. I'm getting louder and louder. And finally, I found myself saying, if I hear another word come out of your mouth, you're going to time out. But it wasn't that calm. It was pretty stinking loud. <laughs> and then I thought, I am writing a talk on how to do families well, and I'm screaming at my kids, like, don't talk to me, stay away from me. So this is really hard, and it's really hard on a daily basis, we know that. So in closing, I just want to highlight these, um, these key expectations again, and we'll invite the band up and pray. Um, 
expect that this family thing is not easy. It's never going to be easy. It never has for anyone been easy. Expect that the culture will tell you, you're okay, it's normal to do that. Um, You can expect that Jesus has far higher expectations for you, uh, probably ones you can't even reach without him. I know that. But then you can expect that God will meet you where you're broken. And you need to expect that change starts with you. Will you bow your heads and pray with me? God, thank you for our families. Um, I thank you that we're not defined by our family, but instead we're defined by the fact that we're part of your family. Um, Again, we just confess that we don't do a good job at this, that we mess up more often than not. And just help us and meet us where we're broken. And I just beg that you would heal our families. Thank you for making uh, a way for us to be part of your family through Jesus. And just give us faith to trust, um, to trust in you, in the plan that you have for our families, to trust that you're good and that you're for us and that you're for our families. Pray these things in your name. Amen.